We sing hallelujah, the Lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. I was saying first service, I hate, I hate having to follow that. <laughs> sometimes the, the song, more than sometimes, the worship songs are the message. But uh, we cannot hear this one enough, can we? He is risen. I had the uh, challenge yesterday of talking to my kids about what Easter's all for. And all about. And uh, we went outside. How many enjoyed the beautiful weather yesterday? Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord. And so we have this walkway, this ramp up to our walkway, and it's got this nice little wall where you can sit down and have really good theological chats with your kids. You just feel like this is a wall that is profound, it is ready for good conversation. So I have Gracie there, who's six, and, uh, and I have Emmett there, who's four, and Fenley, who's one, figuring out what grass is, so she didn't care. She wasn't a part of this conversation. <laughs> and I'm sitting, I'm sitting with them, and Shanna's there, and so we asked them, they said, what is Easter about? What is Easter about? What's, what's it for? And so Gracie goes, well, it's Jesus. He, he died for us. And Emmett's like, yeah, he died for us. Why did he die for us? And, and Emmett's like, so, so we can live. And why does he want us to live? Because he loves us. I said, yeah, that's right. But... <laughs> But why, why, did, why did he die, have to die on the cross? And so Gracie says, uh, to, well, for our sins, so that we can be with God in heaven forever and, and not have bad stuff. I said, yes, but why did he have to do that? And Emmett, only the, only the way Emmett can do it, looks at me like I'm a complete idiot. And he said, like I said before, because he loves us. I'd have saved a fortune in seminary if I had just had kids quicker and let them teach you. So, from Jesus to him to you, you are loved. Deeply loved. Lord, we thank you that you are alive and, and well. We thank you that death cannot hold you. We thank you that through your power and who you are, when we are with you and abide in you, nothing can hold us when we are being held by you. And so we thank you. Lord, we pray for a blessing over this time this morning. What do you want to say to us? We love you because you loved us first.
And that's what this is all about. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, how many were here for Good Friday? Okay. Good Friday was an, a wonderful time, I felt, and powerful time. And, and Mark did something that really annoyed me in that he pitched a perfect game. <laughs> I mean, it was, excuse the euphemism, but he, he really, the Lord really brought something beautiful through him. And it's one of those where you kind of go, I don't want to follow that either. And he brought in the importance through the story, through the story of Jesus' crucifixion um, and the events leading up to it, how trustworthy he is and why we can put our faith in him, that trust in him. He made that very, very clear leading up to the crucifixion, and that's one piece of it. And now we have the resurrection that shows he's who he says he is. Now, one of the, one of the challenges about Easter time in our culture is that we all have different pictures of him. And it's so easy to know that he's alive, right? We can say he's alive. Well, what's he doing? <laughs> Where's he at? And theologically, we could give an answer. That, well, he's here. He's this and that. But it doesn't always feel that way. Circumstances can tell us something different than what scripture will tell us. Sometimes scripts, sometimes circumstances will tell us maybe he's not alive. Maybe he's not really moving. Now, that's how you feel. I'm not saying that's what it is. That's how we feel. Who's felt like that? He says he's alive, and I don't feel his presence. I don't feel these things, but he is alive. But we allow too often our circumstances to paint a picture of Jesus that is not true. And so we have an opportunity today to really embrace that he is alive. Even in the moments that we feel he's silent, he is there moving and shaping and forming. If only we would meet him in that. And sometimes we go, well, if he was really like here still physically, it would be a lot easier. Who's felt that way? Be honest. <laughs> Not true at all. Not true at all. His disciples got it wrong a lot. A lot. And uh, in scripture this morning, we are gonna, we're going to get into one of those moments. But here these guys are with him ministering for three years. They've seen him do amazing things. He's alive and well right in front of them. And when he dies, wow, their world was shattered. It was a buzzkill for sure. And then he raises. And when he, he presents himself to them they, and proves it, they still, Scripture tells us, they still couldn't believe. So it doesn't matter really whether he's, he's here through his Holy Spirit or physically, we still have to trust and accept who he is and the things that we don't know. Because it's going to be a leap of faith whether he's right in front of you or not. And we see that that's what happened with the disciples. But before we go, we're going to go into Luke 24. And before we do that, we have to make it very clear, getting back to my son's statement, that he loves us. Why did he do all of this? Well, yes, because he loves us. And we've said this before. In John 17, he is praying in front of in public, in front of his disciples, in front of other people. And he makes it very clear. Jesus makes it emphatically clear 
what he wants, why he's here, why God sent him. And he says to the Lord, God, I want the ones you have given to me to be where I am, to see your glory, the glory that you've given me. That's what he wants. He he wants you. You're his joy. We're whom he loves. That's the why. But it's hard to make that turn. And the disciples, they had quite the challenge ahead of them. Now we see that when the women at the tomb, they are they are encountered by the angel and they see the empty tomb and the angel tells them he's risen and they go tell some people and two guys, one of them, we know his name is uh, Cleopas. They go and they tell the 11 because they encounter Jesus and Jesus makes himself known. And it's funny because we have all these scriptures, they had all these scriptures that said that Jesus would come in the way he came and die the way he he died, and they know the scriptures, and it still didn't click. And for these two guys, it didn't click until they broke bread with Jesus. And it's, it's, you know, parents understand this frustration, big time. Because you can tell your kids something of massive truth (laughs) over and over and over and over again. And it's like, hello, McFly. It's like, you really want them to get this, and they're not getting it. And someone that has nothing to do with your environment says the same thing you've been saying for years and years and years. And it's like, mom, dad, I heard something that changed my life. They told me not to touch the hot stove. Oh, bonkers. Because sometimes it takes a different encounter for it all to click. So these two guys, they go tell the 11, and this is what we see starting in verse 36 of chapter 24 in Luke. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now this is important because the word peace brings stillness. Do you think the disciples were reeling? Do you think there was chaos, doubt, confusion, frustration, hurt, heartache, Yes, all of those things swirling about in an overwhelming way and them trying to make sense of it. And here comes Jesus as resurrected Lord, alive and well, and he says, peace. Peace be with you. That's an intimate phrase. Be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. Ghosts, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, they still still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. So he reminds them, I've said this. Probably not so much hello McFly, but I said this. Then he opened their minds 
so that they can understand the scriptures. Aha. And he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of his sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things, of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. It's referring to Holy Spirit. So there, he's right there in front of them. Touch me, see, and they still didn't believe. So we can see that we are not in a different situation. It's still hard. Circumstances were telling them he died. Circumstances were holding them, controlling them, shaping their picture of him. Surely he cannot be alive. And there he is standing in front of them saying it is I, touch here, touch there, reminding them of what he's told them and they still didn't believe. They must trust. That's why faith is a non-negotiable. Sometimes we think, I need a sign, I need a this. You don't get a bigger sign than that. It's about accepting the sign you've been given and the reality of that. So he says, basically, I am alive, I am well, and I am moving, whether you think so or not. Your circumstances cannot make sense of what you see in front of you, but let me tell you guys, I'm here. And then he doesn't leave us there. Then we see in Matthew 28, when he's about to ascend to heaven, he says this, not only do we have a God who is alive and well, but he's alive and well and present and moving and shaping. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them the things that I have taught you. And, and do not fear for surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. <gasps> So not only is he alive, but he's still participating with us. He's shaping us and molding us. Sometimes our circumstances can make us feel so alone. That's what the enemy wants you to feel. He doesn't just want to rob you of God's glory. He wants to rob God of what, of what he loves, which is us. If he can separate us from God, he, he loves it. If he can make us feel we're worthless and this and that, and Jesus goes, I'm not having that. I want my people to be where I am and experience my glory. So I'm going to experience everything, every consequence, every punishment that we should bear ourselves but cannot bear, he bears. Beyond physical torment, he descends into hell and experiences separation, complete separation from God, and still that could not hold him. His love for his father, his love for us drives him. You are deeply loved, no matter what circumstances will tell you. And he is alive and he is well. And he is holding us. Now on, Sunday, on Easter mornings, I get kind of hyped up, you know. So I was listening to the radio and they were playing that old sermon. It was one of the best Easter messages you could possibly hear. It's Friday. Anyone finish that? Well, Sunday's coming, baby. 
It's great. It pumps you up. You hear it. He was climbing to the cross. He was doing all this. I, I, I mean, all this stuff. It's Friday, and this happened, and this happened, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, ah, and I'm amped. Now, I can't do that, but I'm amped. And then, and then I see the news. And three churches worshiping on Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka are bombed. Two hotels. Over 200 people die. Countless others hurt. And as the death of Christ took the buzz off the high for the disciples, I kind of did that in my own heart this morning. And then I said, Lord, what do we do with this now? What, what do we do with this? And then my heart began to get encouraged. Death could not hold him. When we are in Christ, death cannot hold his people. Those people are in glory because of an empty tomb and an empty cross. They are in glory. Nothing, nothing can hold us when we are with Christ Jesus because nothing can hold him and he holds you. When he holds you, death cannot. When he holds you, shame and fear cannot. When he holds you, hopelessness and despair cannot. He wants to reign in your heart. He's reigning in our hearts because we celebrate an empty tomb and we don't have to say it's just Sunday coming because he said, I'll be with you to the very ends of the age, which means Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's always coming coming. His presence is always there. You keep seeking no matter where you are and you will find. He's not hiding, but we like to make detours, but he's still chasing us even when we run away. So wherever you are in your relationship or maybe an absence of relationship with Jesus, there is always hope because of this. And you are always invited to come to the king. To know his deep pleasure for you. His love for you. Because from a four-year-old's lips, he did it all. You can say all the fancy stuff you want. He did it all because he loves us. So I say to you, he is risen. Lord, we thank you. That's really all we can do. Thank you and be faithful as you are faithful. We pray and we stand with those churches, those people who lost their lives and loved ones who have lost people in that tragedy and all over the world that we don't hear about on the news. We thank you that when our faith is in you, our, our eternity is secure. Death cannot hold us because you are holding us and death couldn't hold you. We worship you, Jesus. You are worthy of all praise. And I thank you. I thank you that you are not afraid of our stuff. You are not afraid of our doubts. You're not afraid of our anger. You're not afraid of our questions. Even you asked, why, oh God, have you forsaken me? 
I thank you that you give us permission to go through the process of feeling, but you don't leave us there. You bring us into healing and glory and hope and truth and life. You hold us, everything that comes with us. And we thank you. And that's, we celebrate simply because you love us. And you're worthy of our love. Bless your church in Jesus' name. It's not out of your hands. You are driving it. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, my portion you are my hiding place
story about how Jesus took on all of our sin and then he overcame victory over the grave and that we can have that victory because of him and that we can have a hope that is deep within our souls that never leaves because he never leaves he'll never forsake us he is the God that loves and never stops loving so as we sing this, this living hope, that we would hold on to that. We would hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven. And spoke your name into the night And through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my name
set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, to go on church in here people <laughs> I'm so you know I, I met Jesus when I was 23 never really understood why Easter my mom's favorite holiday was Easter like it's kind of a weird holiday some guy died and I didn't understand someone had to sit down and really explain it the Holy Ghost just opened my heart you might be here this morning just wondering you know, I don't know if I really get this. We have some great people that are back over there willing to pray with you, to talk with you. We are not a high-pressure church. We're not about to talk you into a corner. But Jesus sure would like to lift you on up, I'll tell you that much. Brennan's preaching truth this morning. I, I, I just had to go back to Romans 8. And I, I want to close the service reading this. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That's a pretty good prayer partner right there. So then Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loves us. He's not done yet. He's about to go preaching. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you and I from Him because... Underneath it all is this little red line, three important words. It is finished. My friends, you are free indeed. Lord, we thank you for your work, for the seal. Whatever it is that we're walking through, you are in it with us. You are above it. You want to raise us through it where we can say we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. As you walk out this morning, let there be a lift to our step. Let there be hope in our heart. Let there be resolution in our mind that no matter what waits me outside that door, I have a resurrected Lord that death cannot hold. In Jesus' name.
Amen. God bless you real good. Happy Easter.